0: I encourage you to have the scriptures opened, whether that is on your device or where that is in your physical Bible. Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 through 13. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you come to Acts. Uh, Acts is the book of the history of the early church, of what happened after Jesus was, uh, was executed and resurrected and ascended. Then What took place was at the end of it all. No, we see that God did mighty things through the early believers. Luciano Pavarotti loved singing, but he also loved teaching. And undecided what he was going to do with his life, he went to his father for advice. And his father said to him, he said, son, you cannot sit on two chairs. Or else you will fall between them. In life, you have to choose one chair and then give it your all. Choose one chair. As a church, we have a choice. We can either serve Christ out of our own power and, and our res- resources, or we can follow Christ trusting in His power and His resources. We have to choose one chair. And a key indicator of which chair we choose is how much we pray. Those who serve God in the flesh will work hard in the church, but they will seldom pray. But those who serve God in the spirit will also work in the church, but they will know and understand and practice that their greatest work is the work of prayer. Imagine a small boat in the midst of the ocean. And in the boat are two men. They are rowing vigorously to try to get through the swell, get to the shore. But they're becoming tired and they're fatigued. All they can see before them is water and more water. But they keep rowing. They keep trying, doing everything in their strength but with little result. And as they were about to give up, suddenly another boat passes them by. This boat has its sails unfurled. Their sails are raised, catching the wind to propel them along. It is an analogy of the choice we must make. For the Holy Spirit is to the life of the church what the wind is to a sailboat. Now understand, a sailor does not create the wind. All the sailor does is to put up the sails in order to be driven along by the wind's power. And friends, I want you to hear that prayer is how we put up our spiritual sail to catch the wind of God. If we will be the church God wants us to be, then we must be a people that pray. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus instructs his followers, actually his closest followers, to return to Jerusalem and to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They are being told to go back to a city, a city where Jesus had been arrested and crucified. To go back to the place where the people mocked him and those who followed him. To go back to a place where the religious authorities were against him. This was not a safe place for them to go. This was not an easy place for them to go. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, we are told they returned to Jerusalem... And they gathered in one accord and devoted themselves to prayer. And everything else that follows in the book of Acts, everything that happens in Acts chapter 2 is the direct result of these followers of Christ coming together with one heart and one mind and praying, seeking the face of God. In fact, these disciples had been waiting and praying for 10 days. And in those 10 days, they did not know what the future held. But they were doing exactly the last thing Jesus had told them to do. Stay here in Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And be my witnesses. And then on the 10th day after they had returned to Jerusalem and gathered in that room and began to pray, then the promise of Jesus was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. I want you to see if you can experience the results of their praying once again. Stand with me as we read God's Word. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were... Staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthenians and Medes and Elamites, Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Father, may we experience the power of the presence and of the Holy Spirit as those did in this day of which we read. But Father, help us to understand the price we must pay so that we can experience you as we've never experienced you before. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. These men and women had waited and prayed for 10 days, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now before, just days before, they had seen Christ. Christ just days and weeks before they had walked with Jesus they had touched him they had eaten with him they had listened to him they had spoken to him they had known Jesus personally and intimately because they were together in one place but now Jesus was gone he had been arrested convicted crucified but yet he rose from the dead three days later And after rising from the dead, he met with his disciples Then he ascended unto the Father. And now Jesus was physically gone from them. But in Acts chapter 16 and verse 7, Jesus told them, said, I must go away. Because if I do not go away, then the Spirit will not come. So even though the physical presence of Jesus was no longer there, the Spirit of Christ was there. The Holy Spirit had come to dwell within them. And as a result, they began to preach, speaking in languages they did not know to diverse Jews who came from all over the area, from the known part of the world. And they spoke in such a way these Jews could understand. And then things began to expand. The works of the Spirit and the speaking in tongues caused curiosity and brought attention to the Spirit's coming. And the people not only heard the message, but they could understand it in their own language. And by the end of the day, many people put their faith and their trust in Jesus. Amazing events, an amazing account of what had taken place. Things had happened that had never happened before in the sight and the lives of these people. But it was all because God's people waited in oneness of spirit and devoted themselves to prayer. They put up their spiritual sail and were carried along by the Spirit of God. In fact, This is not the anomaly for the church of Acts. In fact, what we read in Acts chapter 2 became the pattern of how God worked through them throughout that early church. And what we read in the rest of Acts. As they gathered with one heart and one mind and they prayed fervently. And then God began to do things miraculously. Acts chapter 1 verse 24. They came together and they prayed. They had lost Judas as a disciple. And they came and prayed. They said, Lord God, would you replace him? And they gave Matthias as a result. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, in the face of persecution, we are told they prayed and the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed and what happened? God came in a mighty way. And they began to speak the Word of God with great boldness. And Oh, how the church today needs to be shaken. And how you and I need to experience the boldness of the Spirit speaking through us. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 6, they prayed and chose the first deacons. And the deacons would now take over the physical needs of the congregation so the apostles could make their time and devote themselves to prayer and ministry of the Word. And the result, the result was the Word of God increased and the number of disciples began to multiply and multiply from that day on in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 40, Peter prayed over the body of a woman by the name of Dorcas, and Dorcas came back to life. What was the result of their praying? Simply for Dorcas. The result was in Acts chapter 9 verse 40, it became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. In Acts chapters 10 and 11, The people were praying, and God opened up the Gentiles to them. And the Gentiles began to to come to faith in Christ, and they were welcomed into the church. In Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 19, the church prayed for Peter's rescue from prison. And God answered by sending an angel. And that angel brought Peter out of the prison, back to where the people were praying And as a result, Peter and others were able to stand before the authorities who had imprisoned him in the first place. And he boldly spoke the gospel of Christ to them. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, the church prayed, God, you know that we cannot go everywhere, so Father, send us out. And as they prayed, God answered by giving to them Paul and Barnabas, to be the first missionaries of the church in Acts chapter 14 verse 23 they prayed God strengthen the church help us to do more for you as they prayed God began to give to them leaders and elders who would lead and train and minister through the church And all through Acts, if you just make a cursory reading of it, you see God doing mighty things. It was all because they had come together with one heart and one mind, and they devoted themselves to prayer. And so friends, if you leave with one thought this morning, and if you leave with one word this morning, I want it to be this. Prayer is essential in the life of the church. Prayer is essential in the life of the church. Not only did God do great things through them, God did great things in them. As they prayed, they were transformed from a small group of simple, intimidated people who, when Jesus was arrested, they all fled before him to a people who would eventually stand before the most powerful leaders of Judaism and would proclaim the name of Jesus fearlessly. In the midst of being persecuted, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to receive and uh, to be beaten for the sake of Jesus. Through their prayers, God healed the sick and raised the dead and brought thousands of faith to Christ. Friends, the lifeline of the church, of the early church in Acts, was prayer. And prayer has continued to be the lifeline of the church down through church history. And prayer is our lifeline. See, you can, anybody can establish a church, but not pray. Anybody can establish a church and not focus upon prayer. There are many churches who have been established that are well organized, that are, have quality programs and pleasing to the eye, but in the end, it has no lasting fruit. It's made no kingdom impact, but only the fruit born of the Holy Spirit will truly last and advance the kingdom of God. Friends, if we are truly going to be a church who reaches a loss for Christ, we must be a people who pray. Sidlow Baxter wrote Men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. And whether it be the church, or our own individual lives we have to come to the point where we recognize that we are desperate in our need for god unfortunately many within the church today here and beyond since there is no need for god the father We can come, and we can do, and we can sing, and we can give, and we can have our activities, and everything's going fine. But then we see that the impact we're making upon the community or the world is slim to none. The truth is, prayer ushers the presence and power of God into any situation for which we pray. Friends, how would this church be different if the presence of God came upon us as the presence of God came upon those in Acts chapter 2? How would the church be different? How would our worship be different? How would our preaching be different? How would our commitment be different? How would we be different if we experienced? The Pentecost power of Acts chapter 2 in this place. How would your life be different if you were constantly experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit within you? Would your life be different than it is now? With the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you, the decisions you make, would anything be different that the power of the Holy Spirit truly came upon you as these experienced in Acts chapter 2? How about your children? How about your relationship with your spouse? What about at your workplace? Students, how would your school be different? If you're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit pouring himself through you. Friends, I'm here to say it is time we raise the sail of prayer and catch the wind of God. I believe God has and is working in the life of our church, but I long for more. So this morning I challenge you to embrace two prayer opportunities. And the first is to find someone or a couple of other people who will join with you as a prayer partner. That you will find someone outside of your family, someone outside of your spouse, someone who will gather with you as a prayer partner. And that you will commit yourselves together to pray for one another. You will submit yourselves together to pray for the church. You will share with one another the needs where God is laying upon your heart. And you will pray. It may be you do not come together face to face at all times to pray. It could be over the telephone It could be through an appointed time of saying, uh, at this time, we're going to pray where we are, but we're going to do it at the same time. Friends, imagine what God could do if there were at least 50 teams of people who are partnering together to pray in the life of this church. 50 teams. People saying, I'm praying for for the church. I'm praying for one another. I'm praying for a community. Friends, I challenge you. Find a partner who will pray with you and who will pray for you. Secondly, I challenge you to pray and to fast. To refrain from food for a period of time for a spiritual purpose. Now, I'm not just talking about uh, uh, not going without food for a period of time. Now, now that's dieting. I'm not talking about withholding food to make a political point. That in itself is a hunger strike. But what I'm talking about is an intentional time of going without food. So you can spend that time, whatever it is, to focus upon God and focus upon his word for spiritual benefits. It is a choice you must make. It is a choice which will garner you to become closer to the Spirit of God. Fasting is mentioned 75 times in the Bible. And in the New Testament, Jesus speaks about fasting. In fact, Jesus says, when you fast and pray, uh, there's an expectation as a discipline of God's people that periodically we fast and we pray for a spiritual purpose. Now, we are, we are honed in in other disciplines, Of which Scripture speaks of, of the discipline of baptism and taking the, the Lord's Supper. But do you realize the Bible speaks of fasting more than the Lord's Supper and baptism combined in Scripture? But yet, we are so fixated on feasting and not fasting. We're all about self-indulgence and not self-denial. So if prayer and fasting seems foreign to you, then hold on. We're going to learn it together. We're going to experience the power of it together. In the month of May, I'm calling us as a congregation to enter into a time of intense and vigorous prayer for the life of the church. And for the direction of who we are as a people of God in this place. And during the month of May, I will be asking many of you to fast and to pray with me. And we'll talk about that. We'll give you instruction. We'll enter into that time as a time of worship. As a time of seeking the Lord together. As prayer becomes a larger part of your life, you'll begin to experience the Spirit of God working in your life like never before. And perhaps that's what you want. But yet you've lacked the discipline. So so I just simply say to you, just start right where you are. Do not start and try to say, all right, I'm going to spend a whole hour in prayer. I'm going to spend a whole day praying. Just spend one minute Make a, make a commitment. One minute, I'm going to pray. Then make it two minutes, then three, then four, and then make it five minutes. And with minimal faith, raise your sail and ask God to come. See, he will meet you in your prayers and guide you into his presence and his power like never before. Listen to me, it takes a lot of prayer to have a powerful church. What it takes are people willing to pay the price of intensive, genuine, heart agonizing prayer. And I can tell you this through my study of Scripture and through my understanding of church history nothing eternal has happened apart from prayer. You see, First Baptist Church doesn't need any more programs. We don't need any more activities. We need to pray, pay the price of prayer and to get hold of God and beg Him for His blessings. I'm asking you to join me. As we enter to this time of May. That you join me as we pray. We'll give you guides. We'll give you understanding. We'll give you, we'll give you instruction. We'll give you training. We'll, we'll do everything we can. But I'm asking in these two weeks leading up to the month of May. That you begin setting your heart toward the face of God. And begin to practice what it means to pray. Father. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing. You've told us in Scripture, you are the vine and we are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him shall bear much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And Lord God, that word hammers me day after day after day. Father, forgive us for trying to accomplish your work on our own. Father, forgive us for trying to live life in our own resources and strength. And Father, we're tired. Like those two men in that rowboat, they've done everything they can, but they haven't been able to make it. Lord God, we're a people who stand before you. Simply say we're tired. We're tired of trying to figure it out. We're tired of trying to make it happen. We're tired of judging others. We're tired of putting ourselves before you. God, we're just tired. And Lord, we need you now more than ever we have needed you personally and as a church. Lord God, let not be said of us, That we've neglected the relationship which supplies our every need. Father, forgive us. Father, cleanse us. In these moments, you may sense the need to come before the Lord and spend this time to simply pour out your hearts to him in prayer. And it may be that there is a drawing to the altar and you just want to say Lord I'm tired and I need you husband it may be that you need to grab hold of your wife or your family And you need to pray over them. It may be you're broken hearted. Spirit is broken. You're bruised. and You need to open your ears to hear the Father say I love you. I'm here.